Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. I'm going to jump right into this passage of scripture as you guys take a seat. I'm going to be in the, the book of Matthew, specifically chapter 7, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5, and then we'll jump over to the book of James. And so if you want to read with me Matthew 7, it'll be on the screen. You can open up your Bible, you can open up your phone, whatever you use. The scripture says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I titled this talk, this conversation really, because you're still talking to me just in your thoughts. You're still processing this. So it really is a conversation. But I've titled this talk, I Have to Look Within. I have to look within. You know, when, uh, when we were going through the pandemic and the COVID, uh, I, I do on the side, it's, it's really my bivocational job, I, I do air conditioning sales. So I'll go to people's homes and talk to them about different air conditioning and different options. And so what I'll do is I'll check the attic where there's ducting, if there's poor ducting or good ducting. But I still need to go up there because a lot of times the furnace, the heater will go up in the attic. And so nevertheless, I'll never, I don't know when it actually happened, but there was one moment where I went during the summer of last year and, and I got up and I have to open up the attic. And if you've never opened it and it's been a long time, sometimes stuff falls. And so it must have been a moment that I know for sure it was when I was doing this, but I, I got something in my eye. And I don't know about you, there's been so many times where we get things in our eyes, right? And it's no big deal. You kind of scratch your eye or you put water in it, and then it goes away after a couple days. Like the eye is really intriguing. It, it'll heal itself. Probably one of the quickest things in your body that will heal. And so the problem was it wasn't going away, though. In fact, my eye was getting worse. I didn't know if I had pink eye. I didn't know what it was. And then it, it, I, I had to really sit down with Kelly and be like, what was it that I did? And and then I, I jotted my memory that it had to have been when I was going up in the attic at somebody's house and something got in my eye. Because sometimes I'll go like, oh, and I'll scratch my eye. And so it kept getting worse. I mean, I kid you not, I couldn't even get in light. My right eye would hurt so bad. And I'm, I'm usually the type of person that doesn't like going to the doctors or the hospital. It's, it's no big deal to me. God will fix my body when it needs to, right? Like that's just kind of my, my, my motto. But this one wasn't wasn't healing itself, and Kelly was finally like, you know, Kelly, my mom, and mother-in-law, Grandma Liz was like, you should go to the, the doctor, and long story short, I went, and it's terrifying. <laughs> I've never been to an eye doctor. I've never had contacts. I've never had glasses, and they put you in like this, this rig, and you put your chin on, and you can see all these different things, and then the doctor, he kind of numbed my eye, and he was looking at it, and I literally could feel like, because my eye was numb, but I could see him like, put, like looking, and he kept doing his little things and looking in, and he was, huh. And then he got another doctor to come look, and I'm like, great, it's really bad. 
Like, am I going to lose my, I mean, my eye hurts so bad, I could barely see out of it. It was, in the morning was really difficult, and I'd go to sleep, so nighttime it was okay, but it was just so bad. And then it'd give me a headache, and it was just, it was miserable. And the other doctor was looking, and he was looking, 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 and doing all the little stuff. And then, and then the doctor's like, okay, I, I don't know how this happened, but you got like a small little speck of like wood in your eye. And he said, I'm going to have to take it out. And I was like, well, what does that mean? You know, then I read on the right, on the right side of the thing like that sometimes it has to be surgery. And it was like giving all the steps of surgery like on the wall. And I was literally, my mind was going to the most negative outcome, the worst outcome. Like I thought I was going to lose my eyesight. And then he's like, no, it's no big deal. I just, I'm just going to pull, I'm going to take that piece of wood out of your eye. And I was like, okay, great. And then I saw him get a tool that looked like a needle. And I, I kid you not, I'm not really like, I'm like, it's no big deal. I'll be all right. But I told myself, Sammy, if you move, he will poke your eye. And it's going to be really bad. And I'll never forget, as methodical as he possibly could, he's like, just don't move. And I literally could see whatever, he, like the, script, the, the point needle on my eye moving around. And then he pulled it out, and he's like, all right, you're good. I was like, that's it? And I walked out, and I kid you not, it are, I could already feel the tension and the pain go away. And, you know, I always would read this passage of Scripture from Jesus, because Jesus wrote this, by the way, do not judge, lest you be judged. And then he would say, you know, why do you judge your brother based off the, the speck in their eye, the sawdust in their eye when you have a log in your eye. And I thought, wow, that's just a euphemism. That's like he's really trying to go over the top there. And he is. He's trying to make a big point. But yet this actually happened to me. And it was so funny because, you know, I, I'm a student of the scriptures. And as I walked out, I like literally had this story in my head again. And Jesus reminded me, like, that's what people do, though. That's what you do, Sammy. When you have something that you think that you can judge other people on, you don't realize that you have issues in your own life. And so you must look within. You have to look within. Other, otherwise, you just won't have friends. People won't enjoy your company. And more intrinsically and specifically, your soul will begin to corrode as you have relationship with one another. Because how many of you guys know, like, life is filled with people? with your spouse, with your kids, with loved ones, with cousins, with brothers and sisters, and so co-workers, I mean, it's just the list goes on and on, and so if we don't know how to properly engage with other human beings in light of the scriptures, well, we're going to be judged harshly the same way we judge others. You see, everyone in this room has been misjudged, and we know that's a fact, right? I don't have to do a poll. Everyone would agree, I've been misjudged. Someone has looked at me differently, someone has painted me wrongly, and I have been, and it, and it could have been really devastated on your, your person, it could have really hurt you that you were misjudged, but if we're going to talk about that, then we have to see the other side of the coin, which is, well, you have misjudged someone too. And maybe that's the problem, is we don't realize that the same way others has misjudged us, we've actually done the same to everyone in our lives. And I mean, I'd love to, to meet you and know more about you. Maybe you've walked with Jesus the entirety of your life, and it's really easy not to judge others. But if we're just being honest, we still do. It's ingrained in our soul that we just, we judge and misjudge others. So I must look within. So the strange fact is true then. There is hardly any commandment of Jesus which is more consistently broken and neglected, judging others. Do you know that? 
just to go into the context of this, because I'm learning more and more that there's Bible students in the room and there's professors in the room, so I have to talk about the context, because that's most important. If you don't know the context, you're going to misread it and misunderstand it. So the context is this. We find ourselves at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Have you heard of that phrase, the Sermon on the Mount, where we look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and Matthew 5 starts the Sermon on the Mount, and he ends it at, at chapter 7, and some theologians would argue it wasn't just one sit down, and he would talk all through the last three chapters. It was a momentary, periodic time where Jesus was teaching, most specifically, his disciples, that's where the Sermon on the Mount really came, and scholars would call it the ordination addressed to the 12 disciples. Scholars would also say it's a collection of Christ's doctrine, or the Magna Carta, the charter of liberties of the very kingdom of God. All scholars would agree then, in the Sermon on the Mount, we have the essence of the teaching of Jesus to the inner circle, the 12, that would change the, the 11 that would change the world, Right? Jesus then in this text is using language that was really familiar to the highest form of Hebrew thought. The highest form. What I mean by that is rabbis would warn people against judging others. It wasn't something that Jesus brought up out of nowhere. This was something that was a common issue to the Hebrew culture. It was something that the rabbis would teach to one another. And so they would say he who judges his neighbor favorably will be judged favorably by God. Then there were six great works that brought credit, both in this world and in profit in the next world, that came from Hebrew thought. And here they are, six great works. The first was study, to study the scriptures well. The second was to visit the sick. The third was to have hospitality when others would come over, to love one another with hospitality. The, the fourth was to have devotion in prayer, the fifth was to educate your children in the scriptures or the law. And then the sixth, which we'll focus on, is to think the best of others. That was the Hebrew way of life. The six most essential ways that they would teach, especially a rabbi, to his disciples or apprentice would be, one of them would be, don't judge others harshly. Don't even judge others to think the best of other people, and we live in a day and age where that's almost impossible. I mean, all you have to do is go on Facebook. Like, really, we're just being, it's not even funny anymore. It's like a real thing where you go on Facebook, and it's like everyone feels that they have an argument to share and why the other person is wrong, and then we don't realize that word and form is really devastating on someone's person, my mom would always tell me that. She'd always say, be careful what you write down to someone because it, it really hits their, their soul. So I would write letters then to Kelly, really specifically. We would write letters all the time. I never forgot my mom told me that. I was like, I'm going to start writing her love letters then because she really can see it. And letters, we've lost that form of writing, but now we have it in Facebook or social media or Twitter. And we, for some reason, think that we so easily can just judge one another. And we forget to look within. You see, the Hebrews and the Jews that Jesus was speaking to knew that kindness in judgment is nothing less than a sacred duty. It was a duty to show love to others. It was a duty not to misjudge others. 
And so the reason I bring this up for this conversation today is because within Coin Church, you know, I, I really do, and I'm, I'm really big on, on leadership development and, and, and obviously spiritual formation. That's, those are the two crucial things. And I've realized, though, that within a church, there needs to be values. Otherwise, the, the, the vision won't, won't happen. It won't create itself. And so it's like your life. If you don't have values, if you don't have things and markers in your life to get you from different seasons of your life, if you haven't really thought through what does my future look like, well, I would be worried about you because then you would just be living life like carelessly. There's no value to what you are doing. And so we created within the leadership of our church a value that drives our culture. And there's many, but the one I want to focus in today is found in Matthew 7, and it Value is grace over judgment. That's one of our values. And I've learned that this is so important to show grace over judgment. And we'll talk about the ramifications of there's something beautiful within grace to show encouragement or to what we would call call someone to more. And that's entirely what Jesus would do. But this is the definition of grace over judgment. When there's an opportunity to cast judgment... We will always show love when there's an opportunity to cast judgment. And here's the thing. I've fallen short of this. Have, have you? When there's an opportunity to cast judgment, we will always show love. We believe, okay, now, this is, it's, it's kind of complex. You might have to write it down or just really think through it. I'll say it slow. We believe truth without love is destructive, okay? Truth without love is destructive and love without truth is corrosive and then we ended with this one liner nothing worse than cynicism so to break that down there's this this book called the shack theologians would argue about it they don't like it especially conservative dogmatic ones they don't like the shack they wouldn't recommend you watch it, but I loved it, actually. It, it taught me a little bit more about God just in my mindset, in my imagination. And so I didn't read the book, but I watched the movie. And it was really powerful to me. But there was this one liner that really shook me to my core. And it says this from the author William Paul in the movie The Shack. Judging requires that you think yourself superior to the one you judge. Did you know that's why you judge people? Wow, I got to look within. If I haven't even thought about that, I mean, imagine you go the next 20 years not realizing that you're judging because you think you're better than them. And, and what a horrible thing, what a horrible way to live. What value system does that create in our future? Loneliness, not getting along with your spouse, not having friends, not enjoying each other. I mean, what happens to someone that feels that they are really superior is a thing called cynicism. And cynicism, one of the definitions is, an example I would say is when you always think the worst and have a hard time seeing the good in anyone. Did you know that? And here's the thing. I have met people like this. I try really hard not to be that. Why would I do that? Because one, when I look at Jesus, I don't see that. I don't see him having cynicism towards the world. I don't see him having cynicism towards a, 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 a woman that was caught in adultery. I don't see that in how he carried his life, although I do see a sharp resentment or frustration towards those who think they are superior. 
I see that in Jesus. And so I must look within then when I'm calculating my future in my life, both in my past, in my present, but really in my future, how will I conduct myself with one another? And I wish, honestly, that we were back into the phase of, of voting and conservative and liberal and who do I vote for? Because that will tell you all too quickly how superior you think you are on the other. And we really need to look within on that. I have a really hard time through the lens and biblical worldview of the scriptures to paint you differently in my mind because you don't think the same way I think. And yet Jesus was so frustrated, he made this a part of the very way that he would teach his 12 disciples. What does he say? Let's just read it over by understanding that knowledge. Do not judge or you will be judged. Don't do it, please. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's something within you that you haven't even examined? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then, and I, I find this interesting that Jesus said this. He says, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I just, whether it is a hyperbole or not, I, I still really care every word that Jesus said. And I honestly believe that this is possible with a lens that is not superior. Do you see what I'm saying? When you find yourself in a deeper understanding of Jesus and his love and his grace and his mercy, when you view grace over judgment, when you can internalize how powerful he is that he should have got rid of me a long time ago. Like, let's just be honest really quick. On our own soul, that's corrosive and evil and wicked why on earth would I feel like I can tell someone else what to do or judge someone else on what they're doing I don't know your background I don't know what family you grew up in I don't know what unhealth or health you grew into I don't even know your economic background I don't know anything other than your demeanor and your person that's in front of me so why on earth would I judge you by something you say I don't know the education that you've stepped into. I don't know what your wife thinks or what you think about politics or about any of the issues of the world, but yet I feel like because I have this whatever, I'm more superior. And Jesus would point to you as he's pointed to me, and he would say, you, you must look within. You must look within. I, I was on Facebook uh, not too long ago, and I get really frustrated sometimes like righteously frustrated, I hope. <laughs> so call me out if it's not. Uh, about people that like to paint other pastors in a certain way. Especially bigger pastors, and sure, they have their own issues, and they seem like they do their own wrongs, but now I'm judging. And it's so terrifying to me that we categorize them and we then say, this is what's wrong with the church. This is what's wrong with people. This is why I don't want to be a pastor. This is why I don't want to go to church. And it came from a brother that was really, I, I love and I'm, I'm grateful for. And, you know, but the problem that I face really quickly is we're not even looking within when we post stuff like that. Like why on earth would I think that I can post something about another human being that is devastating to their person, their character? Why do I feel I have that type of authority and superiority? Why do I feel I'm that perfect? To publicly put you on Facebook and say, this is where you're all wrong and where I'm right. 
And then I understand the dilemma of Christian over non-Christian. I literally get it. If you would have a conversation with me, you would really quickly realize that I'm frustrated with how Christians act on this topic. That, like, we just judge. We judge, and we judge, and we judge, and then if I know you or someone knows you, they're like, wait a second, but I know this about you, and I know how you think about this, and I know who you were with last year and what you were doing then. And it's like, wait a second, you're trying to talk bad about this person, you're doing the same thing, or you've done the same thing. And I think we need to look within on the teachings of Jesus a little bit more specifically. I mean, you know, this is preached about on a regular basis. We could talk about it every single week, and sometimes it could become, you know, mundane. Like, yeah, I get it. Don't judge others. But no, like, really, have you really thought that through? It's really important that we don't do that. And so there's nothing worse than cynicism. So I love this one, right? We will always show love. We believe truth without love is destructive. So really quick, let's break that down. Truth without love is destructive. First, what truth are you talking about? Well, we're talking about the lens of the truth of Jesus. I don't find truth anywhere else. I don't find truth in psychology. I don't find truth in anatomy. I don't find truth in science. I find truth from the person in place of Jesus. And within Jesus, there is all truth. He is the logos to life. John 1 would say in the beginning, there was the word, and the word was with God, and then the word became God, which tells me that, that God had thoughts that he put in flesh and blood, and we all actually divinely interact with the divine by thinking. Did you know that? You participate with the divine, the, the divinity of Christ by just thinking, so the word became flesh and the word was among us. That was Jesus. So the very thoughts of God were in the very person of Jesus. And so I must pay attention to this rabbi named Jesus from Nazareth. I must really delicately perceive myself and, and look within. How am I doing on, how are you doing on just the judge part? Where is your soul with that? So we believe truth without love is corrosive. So there's truth, right? And then, but if there's no love in the truth, it's destructive. So I'll give you an example. And I, I make it really blanket. So forgive me for using this example, but we all know, let's just be honest, alcoholism is really destructive. Alcoholism, okay? It is destructive. It will break up families. It will ruin relationships. There is no good that comes from drunkenness, Okay? I mean, all you'd have to do is talk to a clinical psychologist and they would tell you drunkenness is bad. It's devastating. It will corrupt an individual's house and everyone around them. So let's just use alcoholism as an example. If I go up to my brother and tell my brother, dude, what are you doing? Like, do you not realize you're ruining your family? You're ruining your household? Do you not realize you're like, you're, you're, you're dumb, you're stupid. Why do you keep going back to this? The scripture says, as a dog vomits and then returns to it, so you are. Like, why are you doing that? Is, is there love in that? Absolutely not. Is there truth in it? I, I mean, you could debate that. But if I do it with the notion that I am a with cynicism, always thinking that you're not, you can't do it. If I view you 
as less than me, then you'll see it in the way that I interact with you. And so the problem is I can do it with love through the lens of the scriptures or I can do it with truth because I could know truth. I mean, all I got to do is read the Bible and then I can go out to the whole world and tell everyone else how they're wrong and they're not living in truth. But the problem is no one's going to listen to you because there's no love behind it. There's no grace behind it. That's why Jesus was so powerful. He spoke yet in love and truth, but it was a dynamical, it was a dance. He loved with grace and with mercy, but he also would tell truth and it would hurt. Like, don't judge one another or you'll be judged. And so I think about that. We believe truth without love is destructive, so it will destroy somebody if I don't show love in the way that I'm approaching that person. Does that make sense? It will destroy them. They won't glean from it, maybe, but... More times than not, they're not going to glean from it. And then the same is true. Love without truth is corrosive. So to the same individual, hey, man, it's going to be all right. God's got you. God's grace is over you. Hey, just you're going to do better. It's going to be awesome. Let, let me see, like, what do you need from me? Great, awesome. I love you. I'll be praying for you. And then you walk away, and you don't talk about any of the issue that's, that's literally bringing destruction over this individual's life. Or maybe you have the foreknowledge and the wisdom to see if you keep going like this, there's going to be a road of destruction. And so then there is no truth in that because it's all just love. Does that make sense? That one is more difficult. Here's why. We say you need to have equity with somebody to do that. I can't, I've learned, man, it's like relationship 101. If I don't know you and I come up to you and tell you all the bad you've done, you are not going to listen to me, even if it is truth, even if it makes sense. But I have to build a relationship with you. I must understand how you think. I need to get into your world. I need to know how you grew up. I need to show love. Like I actually care about you. And then you'll know that I, you care about me and we care about each other. And so if I tell you, hey, I love you so much, man. But the, if you keep going that route, it's going to kill you. Well, then what do I do? Oh, let me show you the answer to your soul is found in the the person of Jesus, but within Jesus, there's so many things to understand about life. And so then I, I, I have access to actually encourage you in life, and then we use that language called to more, where I don't believe that I, I'm supposed to tell you how to live your life. I am not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist, nor do I want to be. I don't want to tell you how to live your life because I could have it wrong. I'm still trying to figure out life. I think we all are. So I can encourage you, though, in the scriptures. I can point you back to Jesus, but I would have never had that opportunity if I wasn't able to show grace to you and if I wasn't able to realize that I am not higher than you or lower than you. I am just figuring life out, and I'm processing the scriptures, and I'm loving Jesus, and I'm going to him in scripture, and I'm going to him in prayer, and I'm checking my character, and then the more that I build a relationship with you, I can speak into your life. And I think, honestly, that's the issue in our culture today, is we don't even know how to have conversations with people that disagree with us. So James would say this as the worship team comes on up. James says this, I love James, not only James, but I have a nephew named James now, and I love the actual the story of the, the half-brother of Jesus, James, and he wrote this to us. 
with a whole other context, but let me just read what it says verbatim. He says this in James 4, verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another. Scholars would say it's the New Testament Proverbs, okay? James says, do not speak against one another, brothers or sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother, here it is, speaks evil against the law and the judges of the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, you're a judge. So what he's saying is, did you establish the Bible and create it? Did you, by the spirit of God and the wisdom of God, over 66 different books, did you put together the law, especially Leviticus and Deuteronomy and the law, scriptures and passages? Did you do that? Because if you did, then you should be able to judge everybody. But you haven't. And so he says, since you didn't establish the law and you're not the judge of the law, you really shouldn't be judging other people. There is only one lawgiver, thank God. There's only one judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So he explains something really simplistic, but yet we don't figure it out until we just, we get into bad situations with relationships over and over and over again. You did not create the law. God did. And you are not the judge of the law. God is. And the reason why I say thank God is because if I was the judge over us, it would be bad. Like you could just catch me on a bad day and then it's like off with your head because you really frustrated me. But God isn't like that. He views you and understands you and knows you intrinsically. He knows your future. He knows the decisions you'll make. He created you. The scripture said he knows every hair upon your head. So I would actually trust that judge over me. And then he ends with, there is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So then when I read that, it quickly points me back to me. I must look within. Because I don't know about you, I want to be a part of a community that understands the truth of the gospel and of the scriptures and of the Old Testament and of the New Testament. I want to be a part of a community that loves the word, that fears God, that understands God, but at the same time can look at a brother or sister, even though there's a lot of mess up in your life, and say, I still love you. God still has something in plan for your life. Let me walk with you. Let me point you towards Jesus. Let me give you truth with love and love with truth because it's a combination of grace over judgment. So the more that I show grace, the more I partner with God I am not the judge nor do I want to be so we must step into the reality that I have to look within please look within as you worship as you pray process think write it down think about your past and your present and your future think about the relationships that you have in your life ask yourself Jesus am I stepping into loving one another without judging them teach me how to not judge people God and honestly life will go a little bit better for you in your relationships. Did you know that? Like you'll actually have more friends. I love having friends. I actually can't stand if someone hates me. I can't. I try to fix it and fix it and fix it, but if it doesn't work, the scripture says, Jesus, don't throw the pearls before the swine. So then I'm like, you know what? That's between you and God at this point. I've asked for forgiveness. I've asked and I've told you that I love you and I'm grateful for you, but if you can't forgive me, that's between you and God. But I still have done my part in the gospel and the scripture and the work and the discipleship of Jesus. So look within, please. Look within, deep within your soul and ask God, God, am I showing grace, Father? 
God, am I judging too harshly? God, do I think, do I really think that I'm higher than my neighbor, that I'm more superior? Father, fix that in me so that I can be a light and salt into the world around me, so that I can love my coworkers and my neighbors and my brothers and my sisters, so I can love those on the basketball court, so I can love those in the classroom, so I can love the students, and so I can love the professors, so I can love my wife or my kids better, so that I can have healthier relationships around me, and it all must start within, God. Teach me how to look within. In your name we pray, amen.